0: The issue that I'm going to address this morning is very, 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 very important. Does grace give us a license to sin? Does grace give us a license to sin? I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of First Timothy and chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. I've had this come up many, many times, and of course having a radio broadcast, it comes up even more. And then because we're on the internet, it comes up even more. And sometimes I get some wonderful mail telling me what a great guy I am. And then sometimes I get some that says I'm not so great after all. So here in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, I want to look in verse 9. You see, verse 9 and 10, the law condemns all these people. And verse 11 shows you where the gospel can save all these people. So the law condemns all these people, but the gospel can save all these people. So look in verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly, for sinners, unholy, profane, for murderers, fathers, and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. The glorious gospel is a perfect gospel. It's the perfect message for the imperfect people. And the miracle of it all is that God has given to us a message that can save anybody. Now, believe it or not, there are people who do not believe that God can save anybody. Some believe that God can only save the ones that He chose to save, and the others couldn't be saved because He didn't choose to save them. Evidently, He didn't want everybody. Because if he chose some, why didn't he just choose all of them? There some people who can't answer that question. But the Bible tells us that the law is not made for the righteous man. And yet the Bible tells us in the book of Romans in chapter 3, for everybody, the law hath concluded, all under sin, all guilty, the whole world guilty before God, because everybody has broken God's law. Everybody is under the law, and the law condemns, and every man has sinned, so every man is condemned. So this message that God has given to us, if you notice there in verse 11, according to the glorious gospel, this good news for all these bad people, now we're talking about the ungodly, the lawless, the disobedient, the murderers, whoremongers, now wait a minute, you're trying to tell me whores can go to heaven? That's what the Bible said. You mean murderers? People that murder people? What about people that rape people? I mean, although you think of the most wicked person you know of, are you trying to tell me that person can go to heaven? Afraid so. It's because God so loved the world. He died for the sins of every individual. So I want to read to you a, a brief little note that I got. And this is from a John in Minnesota. And I, I'm going to read to you the good stuff first, okay? He says, thank you so much for mailing the book on Dora Lake. I wrote that book on the Dora Lake story. What really came across was that the belief in eternal security clearly wins out over the save today, lost tomorrow theology. And that is exactly what I believe as well. Just so you know... I gave a message in my Wright County jail yesterday. He said, and gave the plan of salvation six more souls came to know the Lord. This makes 15 in total over the last three months. When they left, I offered them all, 26 in total, one of Dr. Arnold's tracts on salvation. So they'd ordered the book and ordered tracts, and um, it's making an impact. It does make an impact, but what impresses people the most Is the clear stand that we take on eternal security because you see the way you know if a church really believes in eternal security and that salvation is really by grace is that a man is saved forever once saved you're always saved because if you're not saved forever then the message is not good news it's bad news it's not good news to be saved for an hour or for a day or for a week or for a year but it's good news to be saved forever That's what makes it good news. Eternal security is the gospel. And if a man doesn't know that he has eternal security, then he doesn't know if he's secure. And if he doesn't know if he's secure, and if he doesn't know for sure he's going to go to heaven, why should I believe he's going to heaven if he doesn't believe he's going to heaven? So we take a stand. This is somebody that wrote me from Pinellas Park. Pastor Yankee. Still listen to your radio program daily. Look forward to it continually and cherish it still. Thank you for truth in God's word. And that was from a guy named Ted. Then I got another one that I uh, wanted to read to you real quick. Says, because they listened to my radio broadcast. My parents and I have listened to your station for a long time. Why do you have on a man that believes Hitler is in heaven? Now, I never said Hitler was in heaven. I said God couldn't save a guy like Hitler. And if Hitler trusted Christ as Savior, Hitler goes to heaven. It doesn't matter whether we like it or not, or think it's right or wrong. The Bible says that God will save whosoever believeth, like it or not. Grace means that you don't deserve it. Somebody of say, well, he doesn't deserve it. Well, who does? My question is this. If God could not save a man like Hitler God couldn't save anybody in his eyes he says there is no difference it's a difference between us and things yes because some people we say sin more than others some more wicked sins but between us and God nobody's perfect we've all come short of perfection that's why we needed a perfect gospel That's why we needed to be saved by grace, because nobody can earn it, because nobody can merit it. Nobody can save themselves. That's why it's by grace. God will give it to you freely. Now, why do you have on a man that believes Hitler is in heaven? I was raped when I was 19, according to Arnold, because the rapist believes in Jesus, he is saved. Really? Really? Do you know how sick that is? I think there's something wrong with him. And you, as a Christian radio station, should tell him to leave. Or is it all about money? Well, letter number two. Two weeks ago, I called WTBN. On Friday morning at 10.15, I was live on the radio. The screener would not put this person through. Because they started arguing with him on the phone. And been very antagonistic and saying nasty things. I told the screener I wanted to challenge Pastor Arnold's hyper grace. The screener says he wouldn't let me on. In no way am I a drive by attacking. In posting my horror and outrage about a very deranged person who preaches that once a person is saved, they can go out and act as Satan and will never lose their salvation. His teaching go directly against the Bible. If you know the Bible, you know what I say is true. I regret your censorship and protection of this person. Wonderful. Yeah, I have to answer a few things like this. I remember Hank did too. Here's another one that I got. I know you'll like this one. Read your Acts 2.38 comments. Just wanted to let you know. That your doctrine is damnable and damning to anyone who deceives with it. You must repent of your sins, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost to be saved. This is the application of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repentance, baptism, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is the new birth Jesus told Nicodemus about in John chapter 3. You must be born again of water and of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. Okay. By the way, they read Hank's message on an article on the website. And I'm still having the answer for what Hank did. (laughs) Thanks, Hank. I got this one, but I had no clue who it was from. I didn't know this person. Hi, Pastor Arnold, it's Bobby. I hope this little note finds you well. May the Lord encourage you as he encouraged his servant, David. May you continue to be lifted up in the ways of the Lord as Jehoshaphat was. Thank you for your preaching of the clear gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no way I believe that you preach that salvation gives us license to sin. I've never heard you say that. In fact, I have heard you preach just the opposite. I love the fact that you give people a chance to trust the Lord as Savior in every service. Again, thank you for your ministry. I'm sure there are many rewards that await you in heaven. Well, all depends on who you talk to, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's nice to see someone committed to proclaiming the clear gospel of Jesus Christ on the net. Well, I suppose I will close for now. May God continue to bless the work you are doing for him. See you soon, Bobby. He wrote me a, a nice little note, and so I appreciate it. But not everything is always, you know, pretty. But I can tell you this. Unless you know how to answer people's questions, their questions will become yours. If you can't resolve the doubts that sometimes people have, then sometimes their doubts may become your doubts. So you have to know what you believe and why you believe it. So that you know this is where I stand and this is where I'm going to die. I'm not going to move. Because I believe it's truth. Do I believe that once a man is saved, he is saved forever? Yes, I do. Do I believe that a man can be saved and go out and live like the devil? Yes, I do. Do I believe that he can get away with it? No, I don't. And I hope people will always hear the other side. But anyway, what I wanted to bring out to you is this. When people say you get a a license to sin, well, is that what grace means? Here you are, and you trusted Christ as Savior, and now you're going to heaven. And there's nothing you can do, Or God. That can change that. It cannot be altered. God gave his word. It's a done deal. Settle. You mean to tell me. That I can go out here. And do all these bad things. And still go to heaven when I die. Well if you did. And you still went to heaven. That would be grace wouldn't it? Would that be grace? That would be grace. If I said no. Then I really don't believe it. It would be by grace. Because you see. We automatically remind ourselves, no, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Let's say, for example, we take two people here this morning. We take uh, Peter Amato and James Taylor. They both have trusted Christ as their Savior. Peter does everything in the book wrong. I mean, you name it and he does it. James over here is living a good, clean, godly life. Does everything right. But both have trusted the Lord. Now, who deserves to go to heaven? Both of them. If you wouldn't say if they deserved only because they trusted Christ as their Savior. They're not going to heaven because of how they lived before. And they're not going to heaven based upon how they lived afterwards. How you live doesn't affect your eternal destination. This is what blows people's mind. Because you see, they believe that you have to be good to go to heaven. And because nobody's good, they think trusting Christ as your Savior is the beginning point for you to earn it now for the rest of your life. So they... Say it's a a license to sin. Let me mention this to you. The word license is like a legal right from authority to do something. Like government can give you the right to have a license to be a lawyer or to practice medicine or a hunting license or a fishing license. It means if I go down here to get a fishing license, they say I've got the right to go catch fish and I'm not breaking the law. I'm not breaking the law. If I go feed, I got a hunting license. I pay for this thing. I earned it. This is mine. If I go hunting and I don't have a hunting license and the um, game warden catches me, he might want to find me. He'd have to find me because I'd be hiding. <laughs> but he might want to put me in jail or take confiscate my Jeep or take my gun or, you know, because I didn't have a license. So does grace give you a license to sin? The right. To live in sin. The right to do so. Permission granted. Because if it's right and it's legal, it means it's not against the law. It means there's no penalty to it. So do I believe that God gives to a man after he trusts Christ as Savior? Does grace give a person a license to sin? Because he's going to heaven anyway. He can't go to hell. So that means that you can just do anything that you want to do. Understand the Scriptures, the other side of the coin, because it's so important. I wrote a little statement down. License to sin is against the law, and therefore permission cannot be granted. God doesn't give us permission to break the law. He gives us permission to choose the right to make choices. But it doesn't mean that our choices are blessed. If you make the right choices, there are results. If you make the wrong choices, there are results. But God does not give us the license, the right, the authority to do it, and there's no consequences because it's legal. That isn't given in the Word of God. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter 3. The book of Romans and chapter 3. Can God save a man like Hitler? If God can't, God can't save anybody. Because in God's eyes, there is no difference. All have sinned. All have come short of God's perfection. Are you trying to tell me that God can save a person if he doesn't sin very much, but he can't save a person who sins a lot? Okay, where would you fit? Uh, Jesus says, if a man thinketh in his heart evil against and hate, he's guilty of murder. How you doing? Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever looked at somebody and lusted after them with adultery in your heart? Ooh. Aren't you glad we can't pull a screen down here and let everybody see what you've been thinking about in the last 24 hours? If we could do that, I'd go right through that door. You say there is no door. There would be one. So in the book of uh, Romans in chapter 3, I want you to look in verse 4. God forbid, yea, let God be true and almost everybody a liar, those who have sinned a lot. No? Let every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sin, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Did you know that people, in reality, judge God? God must be just when he justifies the unjust. Did you know that you're always in your mind thinking that, you know, that's not fair. That's not right. I mean, if God loved me, why did you... You're judging It seems like everything they do, they get away with it. That's judgment upon something happening or not happening to somebody. Or somebody being blessed or not being blessed. Upon the things that happen to you or that doesn't happen to you. You're making judgment all the time. And if God is in control, God's behind it. And you don't always agree with God. So, that means you have set yourself up as a judge over God. So he says here, in verse 5, but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then, how shall God judge the world? How is God going to judge the world? Well, you see, all the bad people, they go to hell. And, and those that are not quite as bad, they get to go to heaven. No. God says, there is none righteous, no, not one. There isn't anyone who seeks after God. They're all gone astray. So he says down here in verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, no, not one. They're all gone out of the way. Now, if this is true, there's no man that can go up to God and say, I deserve to get into heaven. Because I'm not as bad as Hitler. I'll never kill six million Jews. How many would you have to kill to be a murderer? Have you ever hated? That's one. Did you know that bitterness and anger and envy and all those things are sins? That maybe you can hang on the walls of your mind, but nobody else can see them. All sin is a transgression against God. You have to understand God is a good God, a holy God, and He doesn't tolerate sin. He will not allow one little bitty sin, a white lie, in the heaven. No liars can go to heaven. No adulterers can go to heaven. No murderers can go to heaven. The only way any of us get there is because God changes us. He gives us a new birth, and we go because of a new birth that God gives to us. Now... I want you to look there in verse 8. Verse 8. And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil. Because see, if I'm saved and I have eternal life, and I'm going to heaven when I die, and grace covers my sin, well, if I want more grace, do more sin. Paul was accused of preaching, you get a license to sin. You can do anything that you want. It doesn't matter. Well, they accused Paul of the very same thing. But that's not what Paul preached. Even though the Bible tells us that God's abundant grace covers all of our sin. Grace is greater than our sin. You heard that song before? Now, take your Bible and look there in the book of Romans in chapter 6 and verse 1. Chapter 6. In verse 1, you see, Romans 3 says, let us do evil. That's like saying, hey, let's go sin. Why? See, we're going to heaven. All of our sins are paid. I can't go to hell. Bola, here I come. But it says in verse 1 of chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Isn't that just like God giving us a license to sin, permission to sin? If God gave you a license to sin, then it would mean that sinning would be okay. Because you had permission. You had the right to do it. And it wouldn't be against the law. So has God done that? No. So no, I do not teach that grace gives people a license to sin. Like I got permission from God to live like the devil. Can I live like the devil? Yes, I can. But are there going to be consequences? Yes, there will. It means that I still did wrong and there's a price to pay. I'm glad the price is not hell, but there's a price to pay. So you are making choices, making decisions. Always remember that. I want you to look there in your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 30. Deuteronomy in chapter 30. And look at verse 15. In the Old Testament, God dealing with His people Israel, He gives them a final warning. And so in verse 15, He makes a statement. See, I have set before thee, set before thee, choices. I've set before you choices, as you'll see in a minute. This day, life and good, death and evil. I've set this before you. This is a choice you get to make. You see, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die. And yes, everything I've ever done, because how bad it is, Christ paid for it and God has forgiven me. Let me ask you this. Let's say... I'm 71 right now, and let's say I lived a life of sin. I've done everything in the book. It's wicked, 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 all the way up to I'm 71 years old. And God saves me right now, and God can forgive me of everything I've ever done. Most people don't have a problem with that. What's their problem is from this day forward. Well, now that you're saved, you can't do this. Now, I could do it this way, and God will save me. But I can't do it this way, and God keep me saved. God can save me by grace because I didn't deserve it. But from here on out, I'll have to deserve it. Because if I don't do enough good deeds, He's going to take it away from me. But if I do right, I get to keep it. Now wait a minute. Was I saved by grace or not? If I'm saved by grace and I can't do anything wrong afterwards because I'll lose it, is it easier for the Lord to save me at 71, or should I wait until I'm 95, and then I'm going to die, and I'm laying in my casket with one last breath to go, then I'll trust the Lord then, because I don't have to worry about losing it. Now, is it easier for God to save me at 71, or is it easier if I'm 95? Which is the easiest? Or is it easier for the Lord to save me when I'm a child? And I haven't done all these bad things. I'm only five years old, and God has saved me from a life of sin. I turn from all my wickedness. I don't drink the bottle anymore. (laughs) I'm not behind bars anymore. Now, wait, wait a minute. Which is the easiest point in my life for God to save me? You see, when Christ died, did he die for my sins up to the time I was five? And then the rest of them i got to take care of. Or did he pay for all my sins up to the time I'm 71 and now i got to worry about the rest of them? Or has he paid for all of my sins from the time I'm born to the time that I die? All of them. You see, it's no harder for God to save me now and then keep me saved than it would be to save me then and, save and pay for all of these bad ones. Some people say, "Well, you know, I never think like that. Well, I do because I'm a stickler for the gospel of grace it's either all by grace or none by grace and if I am saved I have eternal life so has God given to me a license to sin now what I want you to do because I'm coming back here I want you to hold your place right here but I want you to take your bible and turn to the book of first corinthians first corinthians 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. Chapter 8, that's the first mistake I've made today. At least it's not as bad as Hitler. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, look there in verse 9. But take heed, lest by any means this license to sin of yours become a stumbling block, It didn't say that, did it? This liberty of yours, the freedom to choose. God has given us permission to choose. But there's consequences to our choice. You can sin. Yes, you can. But understand, God does not give you a license to sin, He gives you a permission to make a decision. I'm going to let you decide. But that doesn't mean that your decision is right just because you sin against God. God is still going to beat the tar out of you and maybe even take you home before your time. And you could lose out on a lot of rewards that you could have got when you get to heaven. But going to heaven is a gift. That is free. You don't earn it. You don't work for that. But after you trust that Christ is your Savior, as a child of God, it is God's will that we serve Him. And he tells us, as his children, in verse 9, take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So you and I are supposed to care about our testimony. We're supposed to care about the effect it has upon somebody else that might be looking at us and following us. Now you can make wise decisions and you can make foolish decisions. This is the reason you study the Word of God, so that you can know the mind of God, so that you can make better discerning choices. In other words, if you know the consequences, you know that this is what God wants me to do, and this is what God said that if I do this, there's a price to pay. God hasn't given me a license to do it as though He's not going to hold me accountable. You're going to be held accountable. Every man shall give account of himself unto the Lord. And the reason you have to give an account is because God didn't give you the license to sin without the law being able to still condemn the sin. Christ came, but he did not come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. The law still condemns sin. It's still wrong to commit murder. It's still wrong to lie. It's still wrong to sin. I'm just thankful that I have received a new birth. That I got from the Lord. And it's amazing that some of the people who tell me. That you can't tell me you can just go out here and trust Christ Savior. And go out here and just live like you please. Yes you can. But you can't get away with it. The people who tell me that don't live right. And here I am saying the opposite. And I try to live as holy and godly as I know how. Something's wrong. They don't get it. But I want you to see this. But he makes the statement in verse 9, take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block. So it means that your liberty can become a stumbling block. And the liberty is the, based upon the choices that you make. All right, take your Bible and turn there to the book of Peter. I want you to see this in 1 Peter. Very important verse. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And look there in verse 15. Verse 15 says, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So the will of God is for you to do right. Verse 16, As free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. In other words, God doesn't want you to make the wrong choices. He hasn't given you the freedom just to do whatever you want to do without consequences. You can make the wrong decisions, but there's a price to pay for those wrong decisions. Now, take your Bible and go all the way back there to the book of Deuteronomy. This power of choice is important. God did not make you marry the woman you married. And I know, I know, I know. He was perfect and she was perfect when you met and married. Then, Lord, you see what you brought to me? You see what you did? Then you blame God because, you know, you finally found some error in her and you found out, well, she's not really that angel. You know, they say, woman's an angel, you know, up in the air, nothing to wear and harping on something. So, so you're always wondering, what happened to this little jewel? Well, God did not make you marry that person. God did not make you take the job you now have. God didn't make you have all those kids you have. Well, I, I could get lost right here. But here in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 30, look in verse 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to live like you please. No, no, notice, notice what his command is. The command is to do right. That's the will of God, 1 Peter chapter 3. The command is that you love God. Look what he says. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment. Get to that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land. Whether thou goest to possess it. Now, this is not in heaven. This is on the land. This is in the land of Canaan. upon the earth. See, God made promises. Hey, I'm going to set before you choices. It's like when your kids, you know, you don't like what they're putting on, and so you make them take it off. I don't like that. That's too low. I don't like that. Well, the best thing you do is put out there two things and say, now, Where is the one you want? And then whichever one they choose, you've already met them, but they got to choose. And they think, hey, I made my own choice. Yeah, but you only gave them two. Or put three of them out there, and they can choose between the three. God has put out there good, and he put over here on the other side. This is what's going to happen if you do this. Choose you this day. Like he says up there, life and good death and evil. That's the result of a choice. And so freedom is that God has set us free. And He wants me to choose to serve Him. I don't have to. He wants me to choose to love Him. I don't have to love God. If you're forced to love him, it won't work. You can't force somebody to love somebody. Walk up to this boy. Hey, boy. Uh, here's a girl, girl. I want you to Love this girl, and now you, I want you to love him. I don't know him. I don't care. Love him anyway. Love is not just a physical act. There's something on the inside that says, you know, I really don't care about you. Have you ever seen somebody get married, and after a while they don't, well, I don't love him anymore. I don't love him anymore. Well, what's the problem? Well, I love two or three others. <laughs> Look there again in verse 17, but, you ought to underline this word, but. If thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I'm going to give you a license. No, he didn't say that. Get what he said. I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, that ye shall not prolong your days over the land, which you, thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you ought to underline these two words. What is God's will? Choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. You see, after you trust Christ as your Savior, majority of people, before salvation or after salvation... Everybody lives the way they want. You live the way you want to live. Just the facts of life. You're doing what you want to do. You live the way you really want to live. And you think the way you want to think. You accomplish what you really set out to accomplish. You limit yourself by your own limited thinking. And when it comes to the Lord, I as a child of God have placed before me by God Himself, the power of choice. If I choose to obey what God says, God has promised, as He says right here, blessing, life. But if I don't, I choose to have God's chastening hand upon me. Maybe even take my life. Because God did not, The only reason God chastens His children is because God didn't give you a license to sin. If He gave you a license to sin, why would He have to chasten you for doing something He gave you the right to do? He didn't give you the right to rebel against God. He gave you the freedom of choice and you made a wrong decision. Every person needs to take responsibility for their life. For the choices that you and I make. Do I want you to trust Christ as Savior? Yes. But there is a heaven and there is a hell and you can choose. What is the will of God? You choose heaven. If you as a child of God, God lays before you choice. You want blessing? Cursing. Well, what is His will? This is His will. So we often say, He has a directive will, which means he commands what he wants us. And a permissive will is he permits us to choose our own way. But it's not with a license that there's no consequences or that you have the right to sin and rebel against God without anything going wrong. No. Your Heavenly Father loves you. But he has given to you the freedom to choose. You can be as holy as you want to be. And you can live as ungodly as you want to be. But understand the consequences. Your Heavenly Father wants to bless you. Wants to shower you. Wants to reward you when you get to heaven. Wants to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if you choose to rebel, then God is going to have to curse your life. You don't get the blessings, you get the cursing of God, chastening upon your life, your choice. So, um, does the preacher teach that Hitler went to heaven? If he trusted Christ as Savior, he does. If he didn't, he doesn't. And understand this, if the new elected Pope doesn't trust Christ as his only hope of going to heaven, he don't go either. I don't care who he is. It doesn't matter. He is a man. And if he hasn't trusted Jesus Christ and him alone is his only hope of going to heaven, he doesn't go to heaven. He doesn't deserve to go to heaven and Hitler deserves to go to hell. If the man doesn't trust the Lord, he hasn't done anything to deserve going to heaven. You don't deserve going to heaven. Even when you're saved by grace, I deserve it only because of what Christ did. Christ made me worthy. I didn't make me worthy. Look up here. I wonder why I make so many people upset. Is it wrong for me to tell people, look, in spite of everything we've done, this is our sin, this is us. We've all done things wrong. We've all sinned against God. Is it wrong for me to tell them, God says that you committed the sin. God says that it's death and hell. God says it's forever. God said he made a perfect heaven. And we can't go because of sin. Am I wrong telling people what God said? That's what God said. It doesn't matter how many sins you committed, you're all guilty. Nobody has deserved to go to heaven because, well, I committed less sins than somebody else. No. Your dear old aunt Susie, the one that gave you the shirt off of her back, never did anything wrong, loves you to death, left you in her will, if she didn't trust the Lord, she don't go to heaven either. You say, oh, you've got no right to say that. I'm not the judge. I'm just telling you what the judge said. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin. Because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. And when he came into the world, he took all the sins of those who didn't sin too much. He took all the sin of all the world, of everybody, regardless of who you were and how bad you were. You see how bad you was and how many sins you is it's not the issue. And he paid for it. And he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news of how, regardless of who you are, regardless of how bad you've been, the Lord can save you and give you eternal life. And if you'll trust him as your savior, even he died for you and paid for your sin, he'll put that payment to your account. You go to heaven on what He did, not what you did. And God said, "I'll give you as a free gift, everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, it lasts forever. That lasts forever, and all my sins are paid, Where will I go when I die? To heaven. So can I know that I'm going to heaven before I die? Yes, I've known that for 52 years. I have eternal life. And I also know this. That if I decide to serve the Lord. My Heavenly Father must bless me. Must bless me. Must reward me. He must. Why? He gave His word. And I've lived long enough to see that God keeps His word. God has blessed me. And I'm thankful to the Lord for it. But I've also... I know that if I rebel against the Lord, my Heavenly Father is free. You see, I'm free to choose whatever sin I want to commit. But God is free to choose whatever punishment I'm going to have to enjoy. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you will. You see, God can save anybody. And if you're here and you say, well, I've never done anything really, really bad. God says, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one deserves to go to heaven because of how good they've been. You have not lived good enough to earn it. It's impossible. That's why Christ died to pay for your sins. So if you will trust Christ as your Savior, and you've never done it before, I'd like to know... And I'd like to have prayer for you. So in the quietness of this moment with heads bowed, and eyes closed, and no one looking around, I'm going to ask you in just a moment, if you will trust Christ as your Savior, if you'll let me know by just simply raising your hand and putting it right back down. And if you will, I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. i not going to trick you. But does anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior and preach, I'd like you to pray for me in closing. Would you just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down? Does anyone at all? No one at all. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, that means you're God's child. It also means that you're making choices every day of your life. That's why you study the Word of God, so you can discern the wisdom in your choices. Because choices have consequences. Seek the Lord's will. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless those that are watching by internet, and those that are here in the auditorium. Help us to do right.